This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Anti-Semitism has absolutely no place in our Commonwealth. Any attack on one community of faith in Pennsylvania is an attack against every community of faith in Pennsylvania. As Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania, needless to say, uh, he's saying the same things most conscientious people feel. Uh, this is outrageous. It uh, defies credulity, but I guess we shouldn't be surprised, too. There's so much hatred and venom uh, towards targeted groups. I mean, we saw that with the pipe bombs, and uh, now we saw it. On Saturday, visited upon that synagogue as well uh, in a rather pleasant area of uh, Pittsburgh, by all accounts. So what gives rise to such hatred that somebody would want to act on it uh, in such a violent manner? Let's find out. Our expert in this regard is Mubin Sheikh, former CSIS operative and counterterrorism expert. Mubin, good to have you back on The Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Thank you, John, once again. So, well, my question is, what does give rise to such a hate that it would, you know, cross a line that people would actually act it out? Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's the same across the board. Whatever group is targeted, the process that we're looking at is the same. Uh, we talk about radicalization. That's that's that process. It's a, it's a psychological process whereby a person or people will come to take on increasingly extreme views. And there tend to be, you know, there's a great quote, ideology without grievances doesn't resonate, and grievances without ideology are not acted upon, right? So these two things are required for a person, generally speaking, especially when it's hate crimes or terrorism. Uh, these two things are, are necessary ingredients in that regard. And, and so what we're looking at is an ideology of, of the far right um, and, and the grievance narrative that basically, and certainly in the case of the uh, Pittsburgh shooter, the grievance was that these Jews are helping these refugees or these migrant invaders come to our country where we white people will be overtaken and made into the minorities. And posing that existential threat to the person, that's what gets somebody to get up and act. And that's exactly what we saw. Well, it's interesting because you say this is something uh, endemic to the far right, but you've got, by the same token, the far left and the BDS movement uh, targets Israel. A lot of people see that as being uh, not even a thinly veiled anti-Semitism. So, I mean, it's anti-Semitism on one side of the ledger as well as the other, isn't it? It is. I mean, and there, you know, it's arguable whether BDS. I mean, some people. I, I'm sure some people who are a part of that movement don't hate Jews just for the sake of being Jews. But I am certain that there are, in fact, quite a number of those who are. Now, here's the difference: they don't go up and shoot up a synagogue, right? They're using nonviolent means to achieve their objectives, and that's what we tell people. We tell people, yeah, don't resort to violence you know, use nonviolent tactics. So while I might not personally be a supporter of the BDS movement, I would not liken it to what we're seeing with the far right, who are almost always the ones to actually get up and kill people while they're in their prayer services. 
All right. Uh, you know, the idea that this type of hate would also be expressed on social media uh, or, you know, just even on the guys. This is the individual with the bombing, the pipe bombings, uh, the pipe bombs had it plastered stickers and decals all over his van. I mean, aren't these flags that should be drawing surveillance or is that something, uh, you know, free speech uh, protection? It really is, and I mean, this was a this was a character really who, I mean, as more information comes out, I mean, there's even I think he was practically living in his van. Right. Uh, his his mother had kicked him out, and and what he's doing by putting those stickers up there is basically being in your face about it. He's saying that I'm not ashamed, I'm not upset, I'm not bothered uh, by you know my associations and my allegiances. In fact, here I'm shoving it in your face. So it, it did show a, a level of intensity, you know, uh, uh, intensity of belief that most people generally don't. I mean, you know, most people are political, but, you know, they don't go around sticking decals on their cars saying X, Y, and Z. So he does seem to be an outlier in this regard, um, but, you know, not to be taken any less seriously because, I mean, you have, you know, uh, white supremacists who are, I mean, they look clean cut. They're They're not skinheads and swastika tattoos you know they got the nice haircut nice suit and um but the end result is the same right well all right uh, so this guy was an outlier how come the guy in pittsburgh isn't considered equally an outlier why do we affiliate him with uh the far right i mean was he pardon me if i missed it but uh did he uh, sort of uh concede that he was affiliated with these groups Oh, yes. I mean, uh, the Pittsburgh shooter was uh, very active on Gab, uh, one of the forums that uh, it's, it's like an alternative, it's an alt-alt-right uh, social media um, um, uh, website or network. And, um, I mean, he was posting stuff on there. A lot of stuff has been taken off of that, of course. They froze his account, saved all the data, and then handed it over to the police. And uh, he's basically repeating the, the gospel truths of the alt-right. You remember in Charlottesville when they were chanting Jews will not replace us what they meant what they mean by that and that's in this alt right uh, world what they mean is they believe that Jews are working uh to replace white Americans with migrants and minorities in furtherance of some global world order and uh you know and, and this guy the Pittsburgh shooter he was repeating he was repeating almost word for word a lot of the stuff that you hear from Fox News and from other sources, that, that they, they say this. They say that these are people, George Soros. I mean, George Soros is apparently responsible for everything from migrants to, I guess, hurricanes, too. Uh, you know, the idea that it's George Soros who's behind this, and he's funding this caravan. And those words and that phrasing, that is used exclusively among the alt-right. In fact, even conservatives, uh, Fox News... Uh, pushes this stuff all the time. You have Republican congressmen and others who repeat these words verbatim, tagging hashtag George Soros, you know, in this whatever whatever they're calling this caravan. So uh, it's clearly coming from the alt-right. All right. And when Trump wades in and says we must stop the open and obvious hostility and report the news accurately and fairly, he indicts the media. He calls it the enemy of the people. Is he stoking these passions as well? Do you think he's a facilitator or enabler? I think that's, I mean, I think it's very, very obvious and clear. I mean, um, you know, the it's not like the media. The media reports. I mean, you know, I have my own issues with media in terms of, 
you know, things like if it bleeds, it leads, and so how media kind of goes towards the worst news, and, you know, and we love to watch a car accident and a train wreck. Um, and, I mean, this guy's providing uh, one heck of a train wreck in that regard. And so the media is doing what it does, right? I mean, while he, on one hand, claims that, you know, they're, they're stoking, they're just repeating his words verbatim. I mean, the guy tweets out, and all you got to do is repeat the tweet, and those are his words. All right, but, but isn't it a chicken and egg scenario? I mean, uh, in the sense that there is slanted reporting. It's not even a subtle bias in a lot of cases. And uh, that whips the passions up of people. And if Trump is saying, like, uh, it's fake news, it's, you know, <laughs> easy to buy into that narrative if you can see a certain slant in certain media outlets. Well, I mean, well, that's the thing, right? I mean, it all started with fake news, right? The claim of fake news, right? That was the big thing that really he put out there, mm-hmm. right? Don't believe anything that's coming from anyone else. Just believe me. But, I mean, even, even bipartisan uh, institutions or others, professional journalists, I mean, you can count the amount of lies that he tells you know, in, in one session. I mean, these are just factual things. Like you, it's one thing to be partisan in political rhetoric, and I totally understand and I get that. But what we're seeing here is on a totally different level. I mean, where even, I mean, many GOP uh, uh, persons, uh, even persons who are in power or in the institutions, even they are like, I mean, really, this guy is like way off the charts. In right, but when you see some of the rallies and uh, the chant goes up, CNN sucks, which, by the way, was also a sticker on this guy's van down there in Florida, uh, why do you think so many people believe that CNN sucks? Well, because they watch Fox News. Fox News. Oh, or, okay. Well, or, or do they watch <laughs> CNN and say, this is jumping the shark? I mean, sometimes you say to yourself, uh, it's very one-sided, like everything is an incessant diatribe against Trump. There's no pretense at balance any longer. Yeah, I mean, I, can, I will totally concede that CNN is generally a liberal media organization, <laughs> right? But here's the thing. They pretty much all are, right? ABC, NBC, I mean, MSNBC, okay, we might go a little more liberal. Right. But the fact is, is that every single media organization, except for Fox News, pretty much, you know, they, 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 they report what they see. I mean, this is a guy who, look... Mm. He has, we've seen the video clips of him, you know, knock that guy out. Oh, if he does it, I mean, he's openly, openly endorsing and inciting violence. Openly. It's not even, like, subtle. It's open. Like, knock that guy out. Yeah, rough him up. You know, protesters who might yell out something, whatever, and as they're going out, get sucker punched in the face by one of, you know, his. So what we're seeing with, with, with him is at a whole other level, and you just don't see it with, with other politicians. Well, you see it on campuses, though. When conservative speakers are invited, they get shut out. Uh, there's all kinds of hell raised. Antifa is on, oh, yeah. on the mark. I mean, there's obviously uh, something happening in America where it's, you know, an uncivil war, if you will. Uh, and yeah. well, yeah, there, there's a lot of disenchantment and maybe distrust yeah. of the mainstream media. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, why, why are all... That can't be borne out by Trump alone, can it? Well, I mean, uh, really, if one does want to look at the, at the rise of alt-right groups, it was at the election of Barack Obama. I mean, that just, that just made them go crazy. I think What's that, he, the Tea Party? Well, I mean, uh, let me, let's just say that when Barack Obama was elected, he, uh, all the you know, I mean, groups that were monitoring other hate groups and whatnot, I mean, it rose, membership in these far-right groups rose by hundreds of percent, and I'm thinking I'm, I'm, I'm 300% was a number 
that I remember reading, and it's, I'm sure you can fact-check me on that, and it'll be very, very high. It is All right, so this is now the bitter harvest we're reaping. I've got to ask you finally, yeah. I mean, two quick yeah. things. Like, could Facebook and Twitter and, you know, the Internet do more to curtail these excesses, you know, the expressions of hate? And uh, finally, when Trump asks or suggests armed guards in houses of worship, yeah. it seems implausible to me, but uh, anything to that? I mean, look, uh, got, the companies can do something. Um, I'm, I've certainly beat up uh, on Twitter a lot, even though I use it a lot. I watch Twitter, you know, basically facilitate the rise of ISIS. I mean, I was, you know, I watched them uh, let these guys recruit and do all this stuff. So I'm not surprised that you're also seeing now white supremacists use this stuff, you know, other extremists. It is definitely social media platforms have become a force multiplier in that regard. Yes. In terms of the armed guards at places of worship, you know, that's a very dangerous message to be sending. I thought, you know, the U.S. was supposed to be a land of freedom, uh, free religious liberty and all that, and now, like, people need to be, like, have armed guards at their places of worship. One could say, listen, that's the new reality in which we live, and I kind of accept some of that. Uh, but I, I just, I don't think that uh, we need to, you know, be reactive to it. We have to be proactive, and that means calling this stuff out. No matter what group it is, Jews, Muslims, Sikhs, Hindus, it doesn't matter, right? The end result is the same, and, and we have to, and our approach to it has to be the same. All right. Well, uh, we'll leave on that note. Always appreciate it. Thanks so much, Mubin. Right on. Thanks, John. Mubin Sheikh, former CSIS operative and counterterrorism expert.